Joe presents TKO together with 32 Red. Welcome to round 21 of TKO here on Joe together with 32 Red. As you know by now, this is a podcast and YouTube show with you every Thursday. We are in Manchester this week catching up on Carl as he nears the midway point of his training camp for a ring return on August the 10th in Philadelphia. We'll be out there in the US covering his camp, giving you an inside scoop on all the build-up to his fight, including uh, the fight night itself. Now, for those of you watching the last couple of weeks, you'll have seen our pods with Heather Hardy and Lou DiBella, which we recorded in New York. But this is the first one that we've actually recorded since the fallout from that shock defeat of Anthony Joshua against Andy Ruiz. Unbelievable scenes in New York. We'll be talking about that today. We'll be catching up with some of the guys and the girls in the gym and seeing where Carl's at ahead of his ring return in August. So let's head in the gym and see what's happening. You might be able to hear the crack of the pads behind us. Carl's hitting pads with Nigel Travis in the gym. A few people here, Tommy Coyle and his brother are here as well after his defeat in New York. Hopefully we'll catch up with him a little bit later on as well, find out about how he's feeling about the sport, whether he's planning to have another fight or if he's going to hang them up. Terrific fight in New York uh, against Chris Algieri. Jamie Moore is watching on as well. And I've got to say, I haven't seen Carl for three weeks. We've done one podcast every week uh, since the end of January. So this is the first time we've spent more than three weeks apart and he looks considerably leaner than him in New York. So clearly he's been working hard, clearly his diet's going well, um, and he's looking sharp on the pads. Nice. Yeah, so Carl at the moment, he's just been hitting pads with Nigel Travis. He's just having a conversation with Jamie. It's quite warm in here as well, that's the other thing. It's been pretty muggy down south, but they, they keep this place deliberately quite warm. Sort of replicates the conditions that the fighters tend to experience on fight night. If you've ever been to a live fight, you'll know it's hot in the arena, and when you're in the ring under the lights, so I'm told, it, it's the next level um, of heat even then. So it's good for Carl to get used to training in this heat. Um, you see Jamie just talking to Carl about throwing the right hand, rolling under, so clearly anticipating a, a left hook counter, just making those first tactical adjustments and presumably putting together a game plan for an opponent. Now, we're getting rumours that they may have an opponent in the pipeline. Nothing's confirmed at all yet, and I don't think we're allowed to mention it, but I think they've honed in on someone that they, they believe they'll be fighting soon. So um, hopefully news of that will come out in the next couple of weeks, so you should know that fight date is the 10th, in Philadelphia. So what they're working on, for those of you listening on the audio podcast, is like a two-phase counter, so anticipating when they punch their opponent coming back at them. So Carl stepping in with the jab, making sure he comes straight back out to try and draw them into range and then counter with his own shots. So you can see him, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see him jab, step out, then come back with a one-two, and then roll, anticipating a left hook. This is uh, routine stuff for Carl, but this is really what they call sharpening the tools on the pads. It's technique work, it's making sure that it's rhythm, it's timing, everything's on point. So that on fight night, all of these things come back to him and come together. Dizzy Jim, when we first came in this morning, we had Chantal Cameron in here, Martin Murray, who's making his ring return uh, in a few weeks' time. Rocky Fielding got injured last week and got a broken little toe. Uh, doesn't sound like much, but a painful injury, so he'll have to wait a bit longer until uh, he's back in action. Um, Jack Catterall is in here working hard as well. Sean McGoldrick, uh, who we interviewed last time, uh, I think from social media, they were sparring together um, last week, so Carl will have been back. Contact sparring for the first time in six months. So it'd be interesting to find out how that went, how he's feeling. 
to find out about how his weight is too. I'll have to look back at the previous episode to find out what his uh, what his weight was. I think he was about 150 pounds. So it'd be interesting to see where he is uh, in relation to his target weight, which would be 126 pounds. Um, come the 10th of August. <laughs> Can have a wander around and have a chat with Jamie. So what he's working on at the moment is creating angles of attack with his feet. So he's coming in with a one-two straight, rolling under the left hook, stepping off to the side, and then going again in the second phase attack. And that's what we've seen from Carl over the years. But he looks really, really sharp. And obviously, it's one thing to be sharp on the pads, another thing doing it in the ring. But it does look good. Definitely, definitely sharpened up since we last saw him what, five weeks ago, I think it was, four weeks ago maybe. After that right up round, even finish that little left. Yeah. Just for your feet, just on that position with your feet. So the right up, turn, and then left down. Stay nice and close with him though, yeah? Yeah, nice and close. He'll see less of it then. Do you find it easier spotting mistakes when you're not the one that's holding the pads? Yeah, yeah, we, we do this a lot of the time, so obviously I mainly do the pad work car, but, uh, but a lot of the time we'll just, I mean, we figured this out years ago with, uh, with Tommy, we, we stumbled on it by mistake, when, when it, my leg was really bad. I was just spending a lot of time outside the ring just sort of watching. So, you know, me and Pop was coming from outside, really. I picked up a lot of mistakes from Tommy was making by looking from the outside in. We ended up bringing it in as part of the thing because you do. From, you know, you pick up much more from outside here. When you when you constantly ask him to do stuff, they might be getting the stuff we asked him to do right, but you don't always pick up on the mistakes they make at the same time. So just for those of you on the on the audio, Nigel's on the pads with Carl and Jamie's sitting outside the ring watching. Um, and that's quite interesting. I haven't actually seen that before. And it makes a lot of sense. You know, when you're in there with somebody, you can't necessarily see everything that's going on. But sitting, you know, 10 feet away, you can see everything, but also you're close enough to give those instructions to the fighter. Here and there, just saying roll out every time, so making sure that he's responsible on the exit. As soon as he's thrown a combination, making sure he's moving his head, stepping off to the side, keeping his head off centre line, all the things that you teach boxers from a young age. But, you know, practice makes perfect, I guess, doesn't it? Yeah, good. Good. I think you look, I think you look a lot sharper, yeah. How do you feel? I feel alright. I'm a longer fan. A bit later. Yeah. Which is helping with sharpness, but mentally, physically, I think I'm where I need to be as well. Good. Okay, we'll have a proper catch up with Carl in a minute when he's had a bit of a rest and we've sat him down. Don't want to interrupt too much while he's in the midst of it, trying to get his breath back. listening to the, the podcast the, that last round was pretty intense so Nigel really pushing Carl high intensity power shots as well so really trying to sap the energy from the tank and see where he's at 
wasn't even really blowing at the end of the round and Tommy Coyle just said he said I'm really impressed at your, your fitness um, he said because you'll never end up throwing that many shots in a fight but Jamie said well you might if you end up fighting Josh Warrington so um, and I don't know looking at the path that all the fighters are on Carl's on this collision course hopefully with Oscar Valdez if he gets past his opponent August the 10th Warrington and Santa Cruz are trying to line up a unification with each other um, so it could be the winner of, of Carl and, and Oscar Valdez fighting the winner of uh, Santa Cruz and Warrington at some point next year which should be unbelievable and if Carl were to win potentially those three fights what, uh, what a comeback and what a story we have we'd have a little party here as well yeah, and I was just saying that, you know, looking forward, um, I've been watching Valdez, you know, because we've got that in mind for before the end of the year. And you can, he's a solid fighter, he can punch hard, you can see he's a, a real, um, it's going to be a tough fight, but the way for to beat that, combat is use, use that little um, half step, timing, speed, and Carl's got all that in abundance. You know, I've always liked that fight for Carl, and, and I've no doubt it'll be a hard fight, but. If, if, if Carl gets hit with one shot, what I'm saying to you is he can read his rhythm. He shouldn't get hit with a second one right, okay. because there's that little space in between where it goes boom. And then for that second one, he's got to be gone. He's got to have that little half step out. And then he can come back. So that's why we've been working on phases there. So Carl going boom, changing that angle, boom, boom. Second phase, come out, third phase, mm-hmm. but never in that straight line mm-hmm. right in front. You, I know you won't be able to talk to me about an opponent for August the 10th yet until it's announced, but with Valdez in mind, have you tried to hone in on a few people that are stylistically are reasonably similar to him? Well, we were looking at Mexican. We, Obviously, you know, yeah. We, 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 Mexican, Mexicans are renowned for that, um, you know, that toughness, that durability, that pace where they sort of come forward and they work the body. So, yeah, we're looking along them lines because we're not going to get somebody exactly like Valdez, but we can sort of still employ the same sort of tactics mm. where you can get against that sort of opposition. Oh, cheers, mate. I'll let you get back to it. Well, that certainly uh, certainly narrows down the um, the options of, uh, of opponent. Probably looking at a kind of fringe world-level Mexican, I would have thought, maybe somebody in the top ten. Um, so, you know, get yourselves on box rec and, uh, and see you fancy for it. Let us know who you think it might be as well. You can hashtag us, you can tweet us on. Um, joe.co.uk, just, just get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts on this one. Who do you think Carl will be in against? You're listening to and watching TKO on Joe together with 32 Reb. We're a podcast and YouTube show. You can subscribe via the usual channels. Um, in a few moments' time, I'm going to have a sit down with Carl. He's just finished training. Catch up with him on how the session's gone, how the camp has gone so far. Remember, he's just approaching the halfway point uh, of that August 10th return date in Philadelphia. Now, here's Graham Swan and Charles Dagnall talking about what it means and the mentality required to be a top-flight cricket player. Have a look at this. Joe presents Swanee's Cricket Show. When you see players who are on a purple patch, a winning streak, they'll never see the lake off the tee. They'll just see the hole. Mm. They'll never see the goalkeeper. They'll just see the back of the net. As soon as you start questioning yourself, as soon as you start imagining the lake or imagine the keeper save it, your goals drop or your three over par. It's exactly the same in cricket. That's why Graham played for England and I didn't, because all I see is lakes and goalkeepers when I was playing. That's that just panic, really? absolute panic. I trialled at 13 counties before I got signed. So there was 13 people telling me I wasn't good enough. Mm. So there's all that, that is a psychological step to a barrier to sort of yeah. get over, yeah. to sort of say, do you know what, I actually belong. And it didn't happen until I was like 26, 27. If you've got the answer right. to it, you're, you're the most successful oh, man in the world. super. When I used to watch Shane Warne, he took wickets before he ran up 
at the end of his no, rope, he'd toss up. Playing the name. And so when I bowled, I'd do the same. I'd stand at the end of my mark, and even if I had nothing, I knew I had nothing, I'd have a little smirk on my face, I'd look at the batsman and just flick the ball up and go, almost wink at and go, honest to me, you don't know, mate. I was so just... it's a fight, it's a battle there. And if the second he buys into that, because there's millions of people, his mum and dad are watching the TV camera, the second he questions himself, you're winning that battle. Yeah. TKO on Joe, together with 32 Red. So in the gym, Carl's uh, finished his training session. Was that the first one you'd done today or did you do something this morning? No, I was in the first session of another one later on, whenever I feel like it. Yeah, okay. yeah. So when we came up here, the plan was to speak to Carl, have a little chat with Tommy Carl after his defeat in New York and see what his plans were going forward. It was going to be like a five-minute chat, ended up being quite an emotional affair, and we decided to clip it up as a separate interview because it's one you're going to want to watch in isolation, and we're going to put that out next week. So there'll be an exclusive with Tommy Coyle, and it's not, not an easy watch, and I think he's maybe come to, to a couple of realisations, but I guess as his friend and his stable mate, you, you want the best for him, don't you, in his health? Yeah, of course and... I do. It was just I didn't listen to everything you had to say there. I was, I was finishing off my own session. I was in getting changed, but... It was real, you know, pretty yeah. deep, and Tommy is he's an open book, and he says it as it is. The bits that I heard, it seemed almost heartbreaking listening to it and watching it. But Tommy's a great guy, and he knows now at this stage he needs to do what's best for himself and for his family. Yeah. Two of your boys have been in some, some unbelievable fights the last three weeks. Tommy was in that barn burner with, with Chris Algieri, mm. and then um, Stephen Ward and Liam Conroy in a, in a fight arguably that it could be up for fight of the year not arguably definitely at least in contention for fight of the year it's um it was a quality fight to be there and watch it like for me to i live with stevie during camp i see how dedicated he has to be he's like a proper professional he cuts no corners he struggles so much to make light heavyweight he has to be so dedicated and so disciplined and he and he is but to come back he was hurt in that fight. You wouldn't have excused Steve Gray for jumping in and stopping the fight yeah. at a number of points. There. The way his head was snapping back. Yeah, and, and yeah. He, he was hurt and he was down. He was cut badly, like it was, it was gushing. This wasn't a cut a little trickle of blood. It was gushing. And to come back and win, it's like, I spoke to you about it just on, on, on text message. And his form after he was hurt, like 15 seconds later, he's Amazing. back up on his toes and... That shows you his resilience, it shows you his fitness levels, and it shows you how dedicated that he is. But that was a fight. And I text Stevie, and me and him always mess about, and we take the piss. But I say to him, do you want me? That fight has given me inspiration to get back to the top. Just watching that, it was like real rocky stuff. Mm. He got under the ring, so the referee's going to call their names out at the end. And the winner, Stephen Ward, he gets on his knees and screams. There's a photograph of it. And I seen it happening. The blood out of his cut, because of the blood pressure, and he shouted, it went... Like a fountain, wasn't it? Into the air, over his head, behind him. And I looked at my mate and said, did you see that? And he did see it. I was telling other people, no one else seen it, and they thought I was talking shit. You but sent me the picture, yeah. The photograph, the yeah. blood shoots into it. I've never seen anything like it, but... What a performance from the big man. It's good for, for him because the public have finally got to see a little bit of what he's about. And they saw what Liam Conroy had to offer against Josh Boazzi. Yeah. We know he can punch. Mm. He was on like a five or six KO streak before the Boazzi fight against some really top contenders. So for Stevie, that's for him a real kind of announcement at light heavyweight. Of course, it was a, it was a real, it was a, you know, a fight that no one really knew who was going to win going into it. And, and Stevie had to show up, but... 
I felt like I was talking about Steve Hill out there, but Liam Conroy deserves a lot of credit mm. for being in that fight and, and making it. It takes two to tango, as I say, a bit of a cliche, but it does, and, and he was part of one of the best fights that I've ever seen. But that was, I think that win is something that Stevie Ward, that'll kind of propel his career. And that's one of, you have to be involved in a fight like that to know, not only for everyone else to know, but you yourself, you, you need to be able to know that I can dig it out when mm -hmm. I have to. You don't want to have to do it all the time, but if it, if it comes to it and you have to dig deep, you can do it, and Stevie Ward certainly can. We've basically been ringside for some unbelievable fights. Yeah. Katie Taylor and Delphine Pursun, Tommy and Chris Algieri, Steve Ward, Liam Conroy. But I would be fair in saying Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz is one of the most gobsmacking things I've ever seen ringside. What about you? Just never imagined it. Never imagined it. I thought, like everyone else, that it was a, a gimme. Not a gimme. I knew Ruiz can fight. I knew he's a quality fighter. But it almost looked comical when they touched gloves at the start. Six, he's six two, I think. I think he's more like six foot. Mm. Small, tubby, heavyweight. Josh is this big Adonis, like massive, proper athlete. And when he dropped him, I thought, right, it's only going to go one way. And I would really start it well, but once he got dropped, I thought Josh was going to take over. But 30 seconds later, Josh was on his backside. And credit to Andy Ruiz, it was a, an amazing performance. But also credit to Anthony Joshua, he's made absolutely zero excuses. We've seen him in fight week. What I did notice in fight week is that he had a sty in his eye, which mm. is normally an indica indication that someone's run down. He hasn't said anything. Everyone else is making the excuses for him, but definitely wasn't, something wasn't right. Do you think the commercial commitment since the Vladimir Klitschko fight, they, I mean, they've grown every year and his responsibilities have grown every year. Do you think that's taking a little bit more out of him than maybe he'd like to admit during fight weeks and in the build-up? Potentially, it's something you'll have to look at. Also, I'm not in Joshua's camp, so I don't know how it goes and, and how they run it, but there was a photograph he took after the fight in the change rooms, and there was, was there 25 people in mm. the photograph, all team members. How many do you have in yours? I have me. I have the boys who are in the gym, but they're not really, like, they don't have, play a part in my team. I have Jamie, I have Nigel Travis, I have the cup man, and then I've got an S&C guy who, who works with me over here, a nutritionist as well, but that's it. But they're not even in, they're not even around me in, on fight week. Mm. That's it, really. Um, just a lot of people, and it, it kind of, I don't know, it was something I was like, you know, do you need that many people around? Maybe he does, I don't know, but there is a lot of people in that camp. Yeah. Speaking of the, the situation he's in now, then we know they've triggered the rematch clause. It's looking more and more likely they'll go back to New York, mm. possibly late November. Andy Ruiz, as we know, is an Al Heyman fighter. So as it stands, Al Heyman has control of all four of those belts. That represents a big share of Eddie's sort of uh, leverage in the US market, those three heavyweight belts that he had. Do you think they're in a position where they actually have no choice but to take this rematch and try and get those belts back? I haven't seen the contract, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that the rematch clause, yeah. like everyone's saying, was in the contract. I think that Joshua has to win the rematch. I think he will win a rematch if he's focused and fit and 100%. But if he doesn't, two defeats by Andy Ruiz, who's already been beaten by Joseph Parker. Mm. There's still big fights for him, but from being at the very top, the very pinnacle, the unified heavyweight champion, to being beaten by a guy who looks like Andy Ruiz, I don't really know where he goes after that. 
we were just looking at the David Price, Tony Thompson one poster in this mm. in this gym and just saying what a what an omen that was and what a what a day that was. Yeah. And I know it was at a different level because Pricey was on the way up, but ultimately two losses against a, a guy that everybody thought he could beat. And again, a guy visually that people looked at and thought he's not in the yeah. kind of shape that he could trouble someone of David Price's um, ability. And he lost twice and, yeah. and his career has never really been the same since, if we're being honest. That is heavyweight boxing. Yeah. And, and things can change in a split second. These big guys can turn each other's lights out in a matter of seconds and um, that's why it's exciting mm-hmm. but I am looking forward to an Anthony Joshua Andy Ruiz rematch I think that credit to Joshua for going straight in to the rematch I think that mentally he's going to be he's going to need to be very strong but I think if Joshua is on it if Joshua is 100% I think that he wins the fight Technically, what were the things you think were missing? What adjustments does he need to make ahead of the second fight? I think that he looked laboured. He looked like he was struggling to fight with a, a smaller opponent. He's used to some big guys, but Andy Rees was coming in at angles, rolling pretty well, and in his face. I don't think technically he needs to change a lot. I think that someone of Joshua's height and his dimensions, I think he just needs to keep or try and keep someone like Andy Rees on the end of a big ramrod, strong job, easier said than done, but I think it was just down, he looked like he gassed so much, and that's been a problem in the past where you've, you've had the question, is tank, and people say, you know, he's so muscular and it takes a lot of oxygen to, to, to keep him going, but I don't know, he looked like he gassed to me, but that, again, is an indication of how run down he was, maybe going into the fight. Interesting. Um, two weeks after Joshua's loss, Tyson Fury goes and, and makes his kind of statement under the top rank banner in the United States. I know it wasn't, you know, a bona fide heavyweight opponent, but he did the business. And, and what did you think he, he looked? He looked really good. Um, he looked slick for the, the movement that big lad has is yeah. for a heavyweight, for a big heavyweight, is unreal. And it was a, a joy to watch. We snippet floating around the social media channels and of him shoulder rolling and stuff off the ropes. He can do it all, um, the big lad. I think the thing is now with Furies, like the last sort of year and a half or however long he's been back, he's staying in the gym. Mm. He's not allowing himself to balloon up and get out of shape in between fights. So each fight he's improving because he's, you know, he's having a few days off and he's back in the gym and he's losing more weight and, and being in more shape for the next fight. So quality performance. And I think that the real problem for all the other heavyweights is that big lad is still getting better. Let's talk about your plan. So when we last saw you in the gym was the week before New York. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, you're now halfway through your camp. I think it's 44 or 45 days until fight night. Yeah. I think you weighed 152 when we saw you. What are you roughly now? I weigh 140. Okay. Now, so right on track, where I need to be. I've got a stone. Yeah, maybe a little bit more. Maybe 142. You look considerably leaner. Yeah, I do. I feel leaner. I feel sharper. I feel better. Uh, I feel fitter. But I suppose I should be feeling like that five should weeks be. after after the last time you'd seen me. So, yeah. But things are going good. Sparring Sean McGoldrick, did I say? I've done a little bit of sparring. I wanted to start sparring later, guys, at the start. And, yeah. you know, move my feet and move my head. Try not to get hit too much. I'm not trying to load up. Just working on speed. So uh, that's I've been doing a little bit of that. It'd be nice to get in and just kind of feel like... Feel like being a boxer again. Yeah, you yeah. know, I have, I've been out of the ring since December. Yeah. Long time, half a year. I want to feel like what it's like to get a punch in the nose again. Um, so, but things have been going, going pretty well. 
So Chris McKenna reported that Valdez has said he's, he's definitely staying at the weight for, for the remainder of this year, which I guess falls in line with the plans that you have. Is your opponent, and I've asked this to Jamie already, but somebody that you're trying to stylistically replicate roughly what you're going to get from Oscar Valdez, therefore, are you looking at a Mexican opponent? Yeah, we're looking at a Mexican opponent. There was, there was a few mentioned. Um, the guy, I can't say names yet until it gets over the line, but the guy that it looks like it's going to be isn't really that similar to Valdez, but mm, similar enough, similar-ish. But it's about a win. It's about looking explosive and getting a win, a good win, and then thinking about Valdez after that. But right now, I, you know, I've been promised, pretty much promised, and it's nailed in that if I win this fight, I'll be fighting Oscar Valdez for a world title before the end of the year. Mm. But I need to win well. So I'm fully focused on the opponent that I can't mention yet. <laughs> but once we get past him, then I'll be, I'll be looking at Valdez. Warrington and Santa Cruz have... have kind of been going back and forth and, and hopefully we'll see them unify. Obviously Gary Russell's in the picture as well. Ultimately means that you could have essentially two fights and then the winner of one fight is the winner of the other next year. Potentially. Who wins in your opinion out of Warrington and Santa Cruz? Um, very hard fight to call. Really? I think I would leave it a little bit closer to the time right. before I make that decision. I think I have said Warrington in the past. I think it would be a great fight, a cracking fight. Yeah. but. Ooh, very, very, very hard one. If I say Warrington now, I bet you change my mind in two weeks, so okay. it's one of them ones. Obviously, it was hard for him to look good against someone as negative as, as Kid Gallagher. Yeah. I read the article you did uh, in the paper at home about you know going over to, to you know meet a champion and, and taking the belt off them. Mm. It's a funny, funny discussion, that, because obviously it's nowhere in the rules that you have to go no. and rip the belt off a champion. No. But you feel as having someone who's been the champion, yeah. that if you're going to go and, and win a belt, you have to go and make a statement. When yeah, you I think so. And I think that he, he done things, you know, he put Josh, Galahad put Josh in the position where he could have unloaded. He could have been a bit more offensively minded, but he was just pot shotting his mm. way, holding on, real dirty. Probably should have been deducted points for holding. He got away with that, but I, I still give it to Josh Warrington. He was trying to make the fight. His aggression, although he was missing a lot, I think he was landing as much as Galahad, but he was trying to make the fight. Mm. People are comparing Galahad's performance to Pernell Whitaker or Willie Pep or Floyd Mayweather. It wasn't that. It was, wasn't a bad performance, but Kid Galahad's going to be an awkward night for anyone. The problem now is, where does he go? Mm. Doesn't sell a ticket. Difficult fight for people. No one really want to fight him. Promoters won't really care about him if he's not selling tickets. It's a tough one, isn't it? It's a tough one for him, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. So how has camp been the last four weeks? Obviously, you're out in New York training. You've come back here. Do you feel you're progressing on track? You said you had like a little neck niggle the, the first mm. week. That's all good now and everything. No, it's all good. Listen, I'm just getting old and getting niggles here, there and everywhere. But that happens. It's just about how you deal with it and staying on top of things, doing lots of mobility work and, and seeing a, a physio pretty often. And yeah, that's just what you have to do at, at my old age. So, well, things are going good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling sharp. I feel like I'm starting to do what... I can do in the gym, like I'm using my feet, I'm using my speed, being more reactive and yeah, I'm, I'm happy of, of where I am at the minute. So at what point did you have the discussion uh, with Top Rank about the city you were going to be fighting in? Did you have any say or did they just give you no, they a give me They gave me a few cities and they said this is where it potentially will be, so if 
Philadelphia was mentioned, Boston was mentioned, New York was mentioned, and Vegas was mentioned as well. So East Coast plus Vegas. Wow. So why was Philly your preference? Or was wasn't, it your preference? It wasn't. I, I just said, look, I, I stay out of all that all the time, so it's, it's absolutely nothing to do with me. Yeah. I just said, go ahead, just let me know when, you, when you've picked it. So they took over there and, uh, and they chose Philly. Large Irish contingent. Yep. Third largest Irish American population in the in the states, um, so we'll we'll get a good good crowd, and I think I'll bring a few numbers from back home as well. It's the best fight city in America, isn't it? Well, Rocky, isn't it? The steps Joe are. Fraser, Sonny Liston. Joe Fraser. I was in Philly as well. Sonny Liston from Philly. I didn't know that. I think he, well, he's in the he's in the Philadelphia Hall of Fame. So I might have made that up, but okay. But um, cut that out if I have. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's a it's a, a city that's just draped in. In boxing history. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I've been out there before as an amateur. I boxed in a club called Harrogate Boxing Club. Yeah, yeah. Jerry Story from Holy Family in Belfast used to bring a team, and it was great. Just always, always good crack. We used to used to box in like the second day, and then as a 16 year old, just go mess about in America for another week, which was awesome. unreal. Yeah. Did you win? I did win. Can't remember the guy's name. Gary Russell. No, but. <laughs> I think he might have been called Garcia, and he was left to copy, so it might have been Danny Garcia. Oh, no, right. It wasn't. I don't think it was. But yeah, John yeah. Joe Joyce, my friend, beat Danny Garcia while we were out there. Someone else fought Gabe Rosado. Well, he's a Philly fighter, yeah, isn't he? Someone, I can't remember who it was. Someone, he's a proper throwback fighter. He, he is. is. Someone, someone yeah. beat Gabe Rosado out there, but John Joe Joyce definitely beat, and beat him quite well, beat Danny Garcia on one of them shows. Good man. Got any plans to spar anyone in particular the next few weeks? Anyone you've contacted here? Um, was that a, yeah, change? No, we, we, Jamie will sort that. Um, but we've got some in-house sparring that will suit the opponent that we've got. Um, <laughs> so, and then I'll, I'll, I'll look at another few guys as well. Potentially bring them with us. A kid called Stephen Fulton, who I, I brought over for, for sparring as well. I think he's IBO champion now. Good fighter, quality, slick Philly fighter. He may be good work for me when I'm out there, so... Yeah, I've got, I've got plenty of options. And when are you going to fly to Philly? We go on the 18th of July, which will, I'll be out there for three and a half Seriously. weeks. I like, I like a good amount of time in the city that I'm going to be fighting in. I don't like, just want to get used to the time zone and my surroundings and just used to everything, really. Yeah. Um, I always think, feel like a fighter is underprepared if they're going, traveling the six-hour time difference and they're only going for four or five days. I don't mm. think it's long enough, so I'll be going out there and... and and I'll be, I'll be fully prepared. Just talking about that to, to somebody today, about Andrew Selby going to uh, Mexico and fighting on sort of 10 days' notice for, mm. for a world title. and, and so, At you know, altitude. That altitude, well. 2,500 feet above sea level. Yeah. He just signed with MTK as well. Yeah, what a fighter, what Andrew a fighter. Selby. I think if that lad screws his head on and uh, dedicates himself properly, he beats them all. He's yeah. one of the most skilled fighters I've ever seen. Yeah, agree with you on that. I'm looking forward to Philly, mate. We're going to, going to be really, really good. So good luck with the rest of camp. I imagine we'll see you probably in a couple of weeks' time, I would have thought, for the yep. next podcast. We'll put Tommy Coyles out next week, as I said. So keep your eyes peeled for that. We will be heading to Philly with Carl for probably the last few days of his preparation. But yeah, thanks very much for joining us. Another episode of TKO done and dusted. The fallout from Anthony Joshua covered. And of course, we'll be covering it more as we get closer and closer to the rematch when uh, it is announced. But thanks for your company again. Uh, and we'll catch you again in seven days' time. You've been listening to TKO on Joe, together with 32 Red.